Hey guys, welcome to episode 8 of the VoiceOver Roadmap podcast. On today's episode, we have some great performance audio and business questions, as well as a home studio review. But before we get into that, just a reminder, you can listen to the show on iTunes, on YouTube, and on the VoiceOver Roadmap website. And if you want to check out the show notes for this episode, you can do that at voiceoverroadmap.com slash 008. You can also submit a question of your own to be answered on a future episode of the show at voiceoverroadmap.com slash questions. So let's jump in today's episode, starting out with our performance question. This week's performance question comes from Sarah, who asks, how can I reduce or eliminate mouth sounds from my recordings? So this is a common question that a lot of people have. It's one that I definitely had at a point in time, and mouth sounds are something that I have an issue with in a lot of my recordings. So um, I've tried a bunch of different stuff over the years to get it to the point where they're not an issue anymore. So the best thing that you can do really for any problem, mouth sounds included, is to treat it at the source. So in this case, that means doing things like making sure you're hydrated, not just, you know, drinking a bottle of water right before you record, but, you know, staying hydrated throughout the entire day. Some other quick remedies that people like are green apples or just chewing gum a little bit before you're going to record, just to sort of make sure that your mouth's not dry and, uh, you know, as much as possible, the mouth sounds from your teeth and your tongue will be sort of minimized. There are also some different vocal sprays out on the market. Some of them are more marketed towards singers, but they're still vocal sprays, so they're for really vocalists of any kind. So you can definitely check that kind of stuff out as well. Another thing you can do is uh, just make sure that your your actual face is kind of, it sounds kind of strange, but make sure your face is kind of stretched, almost as if you're going to the gym and you would stretch before you do a workout. You would kind of want to do the same thing with your face and just move it around and look kind of crazy, but, you know, move it around your lips, your, you know, your teeth, your tongue, and just kind of stretch out your cheeks and everything and just kind of make sure that your face is very, you know, agile. And that could help with uh, some sounds coming off of, you know, your lips especially, but also from uh, your tongue and your teeth and that kind of thing as well. So those are all great ways to sort of treat the issue at the source, which is probably the first thing that you should look at and the first thing that you should try to do in this case. Another thing you can do to also be treating it at the source that doesn't actually apply to your own face and your own mouth is your mic position. If you're using a mic position where the mic is right directly in front of your mouth and it's facing your mouth and you're very close to the mic, that's going to pick up every possible mouth noise because the mic is really sensitive and it's not going to discern between what you want it to record and what you don't want it to record. It's just going to record everything. So if your mouth is really close to it and it's right in front of it, it's going to pick up every tiny little sound. So what you can try is, if you're not doing this already, a new mic position, which is one where you take the mic and you sort of put it off axis a little bit. So, so it's either a few inches to the left or a few inches to the right, and then you angle it back towards your mouth. So now when you're speaking, your voice is going out straight in front of you, but it's not going directly into the mic. Instead, the mic is a little bit off to the side, and now it's looking back at your mouth. So what this does is it still allows the mic to pick up your voice, obviously, because the mic is angled towards your mouth, but it's not directly in the line of fire, so to speak, of the air and the sounds coming out of your mouth. So it might be a little bit more receptive to letting those sounds slide and letting your voice be picked up. And then barring all of that as another sort of option, you can do some post-production on your actual audio that you record to also remove mouth noise. You can do this manually by going in and actually editing the waveform and taking out the little areas where you have clicks and pops and sounds like that. Or you can use an automated tool. Uh, there's a few of them out there. One that I actually just started using a few months ago that I think is really amazing and that I use on like 99% of the voiceovers that I record now is uh, from Isotope and it's called RX and it's included in the RX6 package and it's their module called Mouth Declick and that's exactly what it's for removing clicks and pops and little mouth sounds. 
And uh, you basically, you know, there's not many settings. It's a pretty easy learning curve. And uh, there's some presets that you can just throw on and start there. And uh, it's really great. You just throw it on and it's almost like magic, really, in a way. Um, it just kind of, it does a really great job of removing clicks and uh, little mouth sounds, while at the same time, not really affecting your audio in a way that's very noticeable. So sometimes when you do processing like that, it can fix the problem, but then it sort of has like a side effect where it's now my audio sounds a little muddier. Now there's this and that, and it just can introduce some other problems. Uh, in my opinion, RX6, the mouth to click module really doesn't do this. Uh, it's pretty effective at what it's meant to do without introducing any other side effects. So if you want to check out the uh, post-production route and some software that does that kind of thing, that's definitely one that you can check out. And uh, yeah, thank you so much for the question, Sarah. Our next question is our audio question, which comes from Steve. And he says, what's the best way to remove noise that is contributing to a noise floor? Should I do it in post-production with a noise removal application? So uh, yeah, similar to our first question, the best way to treat this is at the source. So what's the best way to remove noise that's contributing to a noise floor? Well, to remove it, if you can, if possible. So if it's uh, you know, an air conditioner or, you know, something leaking in from a window, try to fix it at the source. Is there a way to make those things quieter? Is there a way to alter the window so that sound doesn't come in as much? That's where I'd start. If that's not possible, think about where you're actually recording. Is it possible for you to move to a place where that noise isn't as much of an issue? So think about ways that you can sort of either totally relocate your studio setup to another place that's a little bit quieter or just ways to further reinforce your studio setup, maybe with thicker walls, uh, more insulation around any doors or windows on your actual studio space, anything like that to just keep sound out as much as possible. This is kind of soundproofing in a way, and soundproofing and sound treatment are two totally different things. So putting up acoustic foam and panels and stuff in your studio, that's not going to help with uh, you know keeping noise out. That's going to treat the sound in your, in your booth and in your space. But if you want to keep sound out, that's a different thing altogether. And the best way to do that is, like I said, trying to minimize the amount of that sound that exists or the amount of that sound that's going to actually bleed into your studio and into your microphone. Another thing that you can try is, uh, again, mic position. So if you're using a cardioid mic, which means that it has a cardioid pickup pattern, that kind of pickup pattern is going to reject noise from the back of the mic. So think about that strategically. If your microphone is going to reject the noise that's behind it, try to face the back of your mic towards the source of that noise, if possible. Now, it's not a perfect thing where, you know, no matter what the sound is, if it's, you know, directly behind the mic, it's not going to get picked up. That's not the case. I mean, you could test that pretty easily. Put your hand behind your microphone and snap your fingers, and I guarantee you'll hear that on the mic. But then go ahead and snap your fingers in front of the mic, and it'll be exponentially louder. So that kind of gives you a good uh, example of what the back of the mic does as opposed to the front of the mic. So uh, think about that strategically. Think about ways that you can maybe change your mic setup and, again, your studio setup and maybe alter the position of your mic so the back of your mic is facing whatever that source of noise is, whether it's, you know, a window that's letting sound from outside in, uh, air conditioner, refrigerator, whatever it is that's giving you noise. Uh, think about it in those terms as well. And then, again, similar to our first question, uh, as another sort of last resort, if you can't fix it at the source, you can go the post-production route. But for this kind of stuff especially, you really got to at least lessen it at the source if you don't fix it altogether. You have to at least minimize it at the source. So uh, there are, you know, noise removal applications and gates and different kinds of things like that that you can play around with, which can also help keep noise out and minimize it. Again, uh, the RX6 package from Isotope has a voice-to-noise module, which is really great. And uh, 
you could run a sample of your noise through it so it can kind of learn what that noise sounds like. And then it will kind of work its magic and apply those settings to the rest of your audio and it could uh, do a pretty great job at taking the noise out. Again, though, with all this post-production stuff, you don't want to be too heavy-handed with it because even with something as great as the Isotope RX-6 uh, voice denoise module, if you get really heavy-handed and start using pretty extreme settings, it's going to actually affect your recorded voice as well as the noise in your audio. So, so yeah, try to treat this, try to you know deal with this stuff at the source as much as possible, and then you can just kind of take it that next last step with post-production if needed. But um, ideally, you won't need to. So. So yeah, that's uh, that's the sort of process I would take. Do what you can at the source with the noise itself and with your mic position and your studio setup, and then go the post-production route after you've done all that you can there. So hope that helps, and thanks so much for the question, Steve. And our final question for this episode is our business question, which comes from Irene, and she says, how many different reads is it acceptable to submit when auditioning? So the first rule of thumb that I would follow is if there's actual specific instructions given, that's obviously what you're going to follow. So if they say no more than three reads, no more than three reads. If they say, please, only one read, only one read. On online casting sites and stuff, you don't really see that kind of instruction a lot, but from agents, you will. I know that from one of my agents, every single audition has a number of takes in in the description. So no more than one take, no more than three takes, no more than five takes. It always says it. So there's instructions, you follow that. If not, I would say give no more than two if there's clear direction. So if they're pretty good about posting the job and they give you good descriptive adjectives, maybe they give you a link to a reference video or a reference MP3, and they're giving you a lot to go off of, then I'd say just, you know, you have a pretty good idea of what they're looking for at that point. So just give them one or two of your best reads and then leave it at that. If the direction is not clear and they either just give you no direction or maybe there's just like one or two words like conversational and friendly, which is like a very generic thing nowadays that you kind of see on a ton of auditions. Um, And so maybe you're reading the script and you're like, yeah, you know, I could read it this way. I could read it that way. Um, I could do, you know, I could try it up more upbeat. I could try it more casual and, uh, you know, off the cuff. If you have multiple ideas like that of different ways that you can read it and they don't give you a lot of direction, then I'd see maybe you can do a little more. Then maybe you can do three reads or something like that. Uh, Any more than three, it's a pretty good chance that they're just not going to listen to any more than that, especially if it's a longer sample script and a longer audition that you're doing. So I wouldn't really go more than that unless it's a project that's just like a tagline or something where it's just one sentence. Then if it's obviously just one sentence, you can do it maybe five times or something like that. And if you're going to do that and you're going to give them multiple reads, try to show some variety. You know, it's okay to give two reads that are similar in style. Like say it's a tagline. You can give two that are in a similar style, but in terms of maybe your energy level or something like that, but try to have something different between them. Um, If you're just giving the exact same read pretty much five times in a row, you could have gotten the same result by just doing that once, you know? So just think about what is the reason why you're doing more than one read and make sure that you have some actual variety there and you're actually giving them multiple reads for a reason so you're not wasting your time or theirs when they're listening to all of the auditions. So uh, yeah, that's what I would say to do in those different situations. And uh, thanks so much for the question, Irene. So now moving on to our home studio review, which this week we're going to be looking at audio from Tom Hadding. So thank you so much, Tom, for submitting your audio. So what I'm going to do for you now is play Tom's raw audio sample and then his processed audio sample, and then we will discuss it. So here is Tom's raw audio. Welcome to the Meadows at Hilton Park, a brand new luxury apartment community that's redefining modern living, blending all the comforts of home with the amenities of a five-star resort. 
The Meadows is set to become the premier living destination in our area. Oversized windows and 12-foot ceilings create a larger-than-life feel in every apartment, while private outdoor terraces offer scenic views of the city we all know and love. Okay, and here is Tom's processed audio. Welcome to the Meadows at Hilton Park, a brand-new luxury apartment community that's redefining modern living, blending all the comforts of home with the amenities of a five-star resort. The Meadows is set to become the premier living destination in our area. Oversized windows and 12-foot ceilings create a larger-than-life feel in every apartment, while private outdoor terraces offer scenic views of the city we all know and love. Yeah. So overall, uh, it's very nice. He's got a nice, clean sound. It's very upfront, which is what you want. You don't want it to sound like you're back far off the mic. You don't want it to be very roomy or echoey. So he's got a nice sound in those terms. It's very upfront and clear. Uh, It's very full sounding. It's very rich sounding. So all great stuff there. He also has a nice tonal balance for his actual voice and his actual mic and his setup. Um, If you listen to it, there's not too much high end. There's not too much low end. It's not very bassy and it's not very, you know, shrill and sharp. You're not hearing a lot of sibilance, a lot of harsh S's or things like that. You're also not hearing a lot of boominess um, and a lot of proximity effect as if he's right up on the mic and a lot of unwanted sort of muddiness or bassiness. It's nice. It's pretty flat. It's pretty even, which is all the kinds of stuff that you're going for. One thing that I would say is it sounds like it's kind of hard to pinpoint, but there might be some sort of some sort of gating or something. It sounds like if you go back and you listen to the beginnings of some words, such as in the phrase five star resort, listen to the F in five. When he says five, that F is sort of cut very, very short. And it could have just been the way he read it, but that's also sometimes a sign of a gate that's working a little bit too hard. If you're using a noise gate, you really want it to be pretty subtle because if you start to push the settings to be too extreme, that's what starts to happen. It starts to actually cut off stuff that you don't want it to cut off. And what it'll cut off is the beginnings and the ends of some certain words. So I'm not 100% sure that's what's going on here. It sounds like it's a possibility, but it also might just have been the way that he read that actual word. But uh, yeah, that's something to keep in mind that if you do for Tom and for anyone is if you're using a gate, listen to the actual beginnings and endings of words very closely after you dial in your settings and just make sure that you're not losing anything that you don't want to lose. It does sound like there's some very, very slight, again, his audio is great. So this is very, very, very subtle, but um, there sounds like there's some slight noise that's maybe a little like higher frequency noise that's kind of going on when we hear his voice, but then it drops out in between phrases. So that is another kind of effect of a gate, but he might not be using one. It could just be, you know, maybe his clothes moving around if he's really close to the mic or his actual mic position, something like that, air from his mouth, just something like that. So, um, yeah, you know, something in, in an ideal situation, you're only hearing your voice and nothing else. So when you're hearing the dead space between words and phrases, and then your voice starts to come back in, that's all you want to come back in. You don't want to hear your voice come back in and some very, very subtle noise floor, some very, very subtle, you know, hiss or anything like that. Ideally, you want just that clean, clear voice coming in. Then when it drops out in between sentences for a brief second or whatever, it's just, you know, quiet. And then the voice comes back in and you're not hearing anything else come along with it. Um, so in, in Tom's, if you listen, you're probably going to need headphones to hear it. But um, it does sound like there's something else kind of there along with his voice. But again, it's it's really subtle and um, definitely not anything that's very distracting or that I think would hurt him too much in, uh, in the case of an audition audio quality wise. 
So yeah, thank you again, Tom, so much for submitting your audio. I hope that those tips help you and everybody else who's listening. And uh, yeah, that's going to do it for episode eight. So uh, yeah, thank you guys so much for listening and for listening to all the episodes so far. I'm um, really been happy with the way that the show has been progressing and and uh, the way that the listenership's been growing. So please, uh, if you like the show, if you get something out of it, please share it with all of your voiceover friends and anyone who might be interested. You could post it on social media, on Twitter, wherever you want. And again, you can get the show on iTunes, on YouTube, and on the Voiceover Roadmap website. And if you'd like to submit a question for a future episode, please go ahead and do so. And you can do that at voiceoverroadmap.com slash questions. And if you want to check out the show notes for this episode, they will be online at voiceoverroadmap.com slash 008. So we will see you next week in episode nine, where we will have a guest co-host. So make sure you check back then and tune in for that one. Talk soon. Talk soon.